Hello, teacher friends, and welcome to episode number 17 of the Beyond Measure podcast. My name is Christina Whitlock, and I am as excited as ever to hang out with you today and earn my place in your life as your anytime piano teacher friend. I know the listenership of this podcast has grown quite a bit over the last few weeks, so I wanted to make sure that any of our new friends around here feel extra welcome. Let's be sure to hang out on Instagram or Facebook this week. Um, You can find me there at Beyond Measure Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my lighter take on the podcast last week. (laughs) You know, my tales of self-actualization through the art of page turning. (laughs) But I'm also really excited about today's episode because I think it has potential to be a real game changer for you. So here's the quick gist. I feel like as teachers we all give a pretty decent amount of attention to how we start a lesson. So most of us have some kind of general approach, you know, like the usual pre-lesson chit-chat <laughs> to connect, uh, followed by some kind of technical warm-up. Um, some teachers like to start with a song or rhythm drills or a game, but whatever it is that you do, I'm willing to bet that you have made some kind of conscious decision to begin your lesson in a specific way. And of course, that's a great thing because it's really important that we start off our lessons in a positive manner. I think we would all agree that our first few minutes with the student oftentimes, you know, sets the tone for the rest of our time together that day. But let's be honest, (laughs) how many of us give the same amount of conscious effort into how we end our lessons each week? After all, I would argue that the way we finish our time together has a really strong impact on how our students approach their studies for the rest of that week. When it comes to performing, I constantly remind my students about the importance of starting strong and ending strong. (laughs) I always say that an audience is generally pretty quick to forgive or forget any trouble in the middle of a program, but there's something about the start and the finish of a performance that just sticks more in the memory of our listeners. So if that principle applies to performances, why not lessons? To further illustrate this point, let's just talk for a quick second about masterclasses. I am here to confess that I am a masterclass snob. (laughs) Of course, by masterclasses, by the way, I mean, you know, someone performs and then a quote-unquote master teacher works with them in front of a live audience, right? Well, here's the thing. When masterclasses are good, they are so good. (laughs) But not every master teacher is a master master masterclass teacher. (laughs) Do you follow me? (laughs) 
I am sure that I'm not the only one who has sat through my fair share of very mediocre masterclasses. The most common problem I see in the masterclass setting is teachers who don't really know how to work with the performer while also engaging the audience. And I get it. I mean, that's a really, really difficult task. But if you are sitting in a masterclass and the clinician doesn't even begin to interact with the audience, or on the contrary, if they seem to only interact with the audience and they leave the student sitting there looking really awkward and confused, well, that's just not a good use of our time. But anyway, before I get too carried away with my masterclass snobbery, let's talk about when things go really right. Think about the best masterclasses you've ever attended true masters. I'm talking like, well, let's use Nelita True as an example, because she was such a legacy builder, and we are very much currently mourning the loss of her here in Piano Teacher World. So Nelita True, just a class act all around in every sense of the word. But if I consider her master classes, or, you know, anyone that I consider particularly dynamic, I have witnessed that there is one interesting point of commonality, and that's actually how they finish working with the student in front of them. Think about it. How many master classes have you sat through where the teacher essentially just runs out of time, and so they barely finish whatever passage they're on, and the clinician says something like, do you promise to keep thinking about what we talked about today? And the student will say yes. The people clap, the student bows, and we move on to the next event. Well, that's all well and fine, but now think about the best of the best. Not only do they manage their time well, <laughs> but they also have this incredible knack for finishing something like this. They find a passage that they must know they can help the student improve. They offer up their wisdom, they work for a moment, and then the master teacher steps back and with all the confidence in the world tells the student to, hey, wow the audience with that same passage one more time. Nine times out of ten, the performer nails it. The crowd audibly gasps in approval, they erupt into applause, the students beaming, they take a bow, and the audience looks around to their nearest neighbor and says, wow, wasn't that amazing? <laughs> Can you picture it? Have you experienced that? It's magic. The art of finishing a masterclass is something that actually stood out to me at a fairly early age. In fact, I used to be convinced that there was like some type of a secret underground masterclass academy where they taught you how to be able to do that. <laughs> now, many of us are not offering up masterclasses on a regular basis, and I get that. But in case you're not already on to me here, the same principle of finishing strong can and should be applied to our lessons with really great results. Think for a moment about this. And before I go further, I will offer a fair warning that you may feel called out when I say this. <laughs> but how many times do we teach right up until it's time for our student to leave? 
Then we end up frantically like wrapping up directives for the week and scribbling notes in their notebooks and, you know, telling them you'll update their assignments later or whatever. You know, I'm sure I'm not the only one who has past memories of myself assigning multiple new pieces in the last 60 seconds of the lesson and essentially taking the approach of telling the student, hey, you'll figure it out. (laughs) In short, I think it's important that we are intentional about the way we end our lessons. As I said earlier, I think it makes a huge difference on how our students approach their work the rest of the week. So think about that terrible example I just used. Let's say Stevie and I spent most of his lesson time perfecting the two-note slur gesture, and all of a sudden I look at the clock realize it's pretty much time for me to let him go, and panic because he really needs multiple new pieces to study that week. If I just scribble them down in his lesson notes and try to encourage him by telling him these are independent study challenges, (laughs) oh yes I have, (laughs) there is nothing about those assignments that are going to get him excited to go home and work. Am I right? (laughs) That rushed manner in which I have him exit so I can begin my next lesson on time has just erased any feeling of celebration he might have felt, you know, when we perfected that two-note slur gesture. So overall, that's just not the way I want to end my time with anyone. So yeah, some of this issue is just good old-fashioned time management. (laughs) A lifelong struggle for many of us, I know. But there is also something to be said for strategically planning to finish on and up. I think this concept can be accomplished in a myriad of ways, but the bottom line is this. Make sure your student's final experience in the lesson is one that is going to evoke a strong, positive emotion. This could be a feeling of celebration, of accomplishment, of entertainment, or of sentimentality. You know, you get the idea. The list could go on and on. Maybe your student really, really loves playing games. So in that case, you just make sure you keep yourself stocked on games that can be played in short amounts of time so you can make a quick shift at the end of the lesson. Maybe your student knocked your socks off with their dynamic contrasts in a piece they'd practiced for today's lesson. So even though you passed the piece 10 minutes ago, what would happen if you took the last 90 seconds of their lesson and said, you know what would make me the happiest piano teacher in the whole wide world? You know, if you would just play me that piece that we passed earlier in your lesson one more time. I just want to enjoy those dynamics one last time today. It was just so great. Don't you think your student would oblige? (laughs) Or similarly, if your student likes a challenge, what if you posed a bet? You know, I know we've just finished that piece at the beginning of your lesson today, but I dare you to play it again and keep those 16th notes just as even as they were 20 minutes ago. Then, of course, when they do it, you can make a big fuss. (laughs) If a student's parent shows up for pickup a few minutes early, use that. 
tell the parent, hey, I just have to show you what Lucy was doing with her piece this week. You won't believe how great she sounds. That, by the way, is a win-win because parents love a happy teacher and they love a progressing child. The child loves being celebrated, especially to mom or dad. So mission accomplished times a million. (laughs) Even if you don't feel like being this theatrical, what if you just kept a close eye on the clock and trained yourself to use the last two minutes of the lesson to recap everything that you want the student to do for the week? This could be done verbally or could be used to let them have some time to write some of their own lesson notes. You know, you could let them try the new scale fingering they learned at the beginning of their lesson one more time so it will really stick. You could do some simple improvisation exercises so it gives you a chance to praise the student for their very natural abilities. Or what about simply asking them just to play a favorite piece from earlier in their book? Whatever your method, I just strongly encourage you to consider making more of an intentional effort to end your lessons with a memorably positive emotion. (laughs) No more, okay, time's up, see you next week. (laughs) I think you will be surprised how big of a difference this can make in the motivational levels of your students. And now, with all that being said, the time has come for me to raise a glass and wish you well, my friends. (laughs) So please join me in the following toast. (laughs) Music teacher friends of the world, today we make a joint promise together to work smarter and not harder. (laughs) Sometimes it's the subtlest changes that make the biggest differences in our overall studio vibe. And I think this idea of finishing up is a perfect example. If we want motivated students, our goal should be to help them feel successful as many times throughout the lesson as possible, particularly in those final few minutes that seem to make the biggest impact. So here I am raising a glass to you, encouraging you to watch that clock, (laughs) to plan accordingly, and to make sure our students are leaving their lessons feeling capable, accountable, and invested in. Now, we're only human, and it's not going to happen with every student every week. (laughs) But I know this, if anyone is capable of meeting big goals, it's you, my teacher friend. Thank you so much for listening to episode 17 of the Beyond Measure podcast. I have been feeling the love from so many of you, and I am just beside myself with gratitude for those who reach out and let me know that you are enjoying my contribution to this profession of ours. (laughs) So please don't be shy. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Measure Podcast and be my teacher friend. (laughs) As always, positive reviews on Apple Podcasts are always appreciated. 
Until next week, my teacher friends, I wish you nothing but the best. Let's make it a good one, and we'll chat again soon.